Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're, this is it, man. Bittersweet. Season 3, episode 13, titled Full Measure. This is the full measure of our podcast. Yep. Uh, this is the final one we're going to be doing for Breaking Bad. Not the last time. Because we've already time, covered 4 and 5. Not the last time we will play in the Breaking Bad universe. Because we oh, got certainly. Better Call Saul yeah. coming up for probably many years to come. I hope so. And excited about that. But yeah, I I, I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not ever going to say never, but I, it doesn't seem like, I don't know, 20th year anniversary Breaking Bad. You know, do a retrospective. <laughs> God, sure. <laughs> sure. 20 years from now, when I'm in my 50s. Sure. When we're both in our 50s, we'll do one. And on that day when I remind you, hey, we promised we'd do it 20, you'd be like, <laughs> you're going to be a son of a God bitch. Damn it. God I, damn it. I don't have time to watch all this again. You know how much good TV has come out <laughs> since then? Plus, you know, with all the drinking, we'll probably have massive memory loss. And, <laughs> probably. And uh, early onset Parkinson's and stuff. It's, it's going to be a shit show. But on the positive side, we'll get to watch Breaking Bad for the first time again. You're right. So, you're like, right. you know, I got to look on the, the bright side of things. Yeah, so where do we want to start? Recap? Do you have anything you want to say before we get into the episode? Uh, nah, I don't think so. Okay, I think at the end is probably where we'll do our, you know, look back on the show. Sure, we got, we got, we got a, a decent amount of feedback, and yeah. I'll have some things to say. I'll have a little spoiler section. Why not? All right, cool. Well, let's get into the recap. We go, uh, speaking of 20 years in the past, it's almost 20 years in the past in this first scene. Probably about 16, I think, yeah. given how old Walt Jr. is. Flynn is in the oven. Yeah. He's just, and he's just a bun. Walt and Skyler are taking a tour of what will eventually become their home. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we recognize it even without the furniture. Uh, and Walt, it, Walt's a very different man in this scene. Like, Skyler is too, but it's more pronounced on Walt because we see more of him in the series, A, and because also I feel like he's a little more beaten down at the beginning of this thing. Yeah. Uh, but in this, he's he's happy. He's making jokes. He seems very successful. I don't know that he's he happy. Has hair. He seems unsatisfied. Like you know, what I'm saying like he wants more. He's ambitious. He's yeah. ambitious. Um, but he's wearing a leather jacket. He's kind of a little get a little swagger to him. Yeah, his his conversation patterns are completely different. It's noticeable. Now, there's a comment, and I don't want to steal too much of his thunder because it's an interesting discussion to have in the uh, the email section. Mm-hmm. But one thing I didn't think about is this is post gray matter. It has it to be, hmm. which means that Walt has a bit of a renaissance after gray matter. His life doesn't just completely fall to shit. So, or maybe it's on the downhill slide, and he doesn't want to acknowledge it. It could be. He's like, you know, I'm on to bigger and better things. I won. But the that Nobel has some dark Prize. implications for like just how he views Skyler and the family and all that stuff. Hmm. But. I, I feel like that that maybe this is a first of all it shows like how many, how much plans for the future and how happy they were and yeah and all the dreams that they had and how he thought their life was just on this upward trajectory and and, and we know that the Walt kind of blames all of this uh, gray matter stuff for the reason he is where he's at and all this stuff but mm-hmm. I don't know I feel like that maybe the, the Vince threw this in to show us that that was kind of a lie as well. But we can talk more about that in the, the feedback section. But I just wanted to throw yeah. that down: is that uh, I, I that was a completely new thought for me. And uh, yeah, frankly, I struggle a little bit with this this cold open, um, whether it needed to be in there or not. 
Yeah. Because later on, they do this same kind of panning shot around the kitchen when he's holding Holly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't feel like it had a big enough place in the episode to really matter. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, it's forgettable because yeah. I forgot about it. I completely <laughs> forgot the scene even existed in Breaking Bad history. Oh, I remember that they toured the house, but I wouldn't have guessed it was the finale of season three. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. And it's, yeah, so so we can talk a little bit more later about why they did this and all that. But I just thought that was, uh, you know, when you're looking at like why this is and what it's telling us about the characters, it is a bit of a non sequitur. Yeah. Uh, so then we go back to present day and kind of the aftermath of him can running we, over these did two. Did we mention about like what a great job they did at de-aging both Anna Gunn and Brian Cranston? It's easy to de-age Brian Cranston. Not re- You fill in some of the crags in his That's face and you put some hair on Because you're him. like, well, you throw a wig on the man. Yeah. He's 20 years younger. But they did some and also they, they, did a putty they stayed job. away from the the real close-ups. But sure, sure. Brian Cranston has a craggy-ass face. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's a it's a full blown San Andreas fault line going on in his forehead, around his eyes, and the mm-hmm. corners of his mouth, and they did a lot to just kind of make that go away. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, just fill it in. Arguably, with... a, arguably a better job than they do de aging Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they really do much there, and it doesn't seem like it's a big a big as big. A, well, maybe that's the thing. He doesn't have quite the craggy. World weary, no. cracked leather face that Cranston's got it doesn't have as much to work with. Yeah, I guess I guess so. So they're like, yeah, you know, we can do half the effort for twice the appearance. But. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're waiting in the desert with Walt in his busted up car from running over those two guys last episode. Uh, he's waiting for Gus to show up, and Gus does, and Mike comes out and pats him down, and then he meets with Gus and he explains, you know, why Jesse did what he did. He insinuates during this conversation that maybe Gus had something to do with the killing of Tomas. Um, Where do you come down on that? I I think it is fairly ambiguous. I think it could go either way. I think you're right as far as just evidence, but knowing yeah. what we know about Gus at this point in the series, it's becoming clear to me that there's no way those gangsters after that meeting would take this kind of liberty. There's hmm. no fucking way. So you're on the yes, Gus. And also, it, so. I think that this is... Gus was trying to force a breakup between Walt and, Gu- or Walt and Jesse, and killing yeah. the child had that effect. Yeah, we talked about this last episode, you yep. know? Like, yep. is this part of Gus's plan? I think absolutely it is. To and to give Walt a reason why Jesse needs to be taken out. But he, you just have to ask yourself, would these the, the those gangsters at that meeting, would they have killed this kid without a fairly yeah. good idea that Gus would be? And also, do you think Gus is the kind of man who's just, like, hands off no. his, his lower lieutenants and, and, and whatnot? I, I think he did. I think that Gus is a lot darker, more evil person than we've been led to believe thus far. I think that's fair. It's a fair assumption. Uh, we got to talk about, because this is Mike, this is when Mike really arrives. I mean, he's this had whole some, episode, yeah. some good monologues, and Jonathan Banks been able to do some stuff. And he's been able to be fairly badass, but he is like James Bond. Mm-hmm. He's a retirement version of James Bond in this episode, and it starts out with, <laughs> you know, Walt calling him, him calling Walt is like, you know, march over here so I can put eyes on you. And Walt's like, well, I, I want some kind of assurances. 
And Mike's like, I assure you, I can kill you from way over here if that makes you feel any better. Yeah. Great yeah, line. It's, it's a great line. He has a couple of zingers like that. And, and also when he says, well, you've been busy, Walt, you know, you've, you've, I, I can't believe you did the things you did. He's like, well, you told me not to take a, not to take half measures. And yeah, then he I, goes, it's funny how words can be so open to interpretation. And the entire time he's talking to Gus, Mike is standing in the background, just smirking. Uh-huh. Like, Almost like I can't believe the audacity of this. No, guy. yeah, right. Does he not realize who he's dealing with? Does he think he's smarter than Gus? Like, what's going on here? Uh, the answer to that is uh, no and yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I, I really just love this the cinematography here. Uh, Michael Slovis, I guess, deserves a little bit of uh, credit in this episode, even though you point a camera at New Mexico and it looks beautiful. Sure. That's what I'm <laughs> Apparently. saying. Like you can credit to God and give credit to, right. you know, planetary accreation and weathering. <laughs> the and, Ice Age, sure. Uh, diffraction patterns that the sun takes through, uh, you know, oxygen-rich <laughs> atmosphere. There's lots of credit that can be spared. But yeah, like... Michael Slovis gets some. Uh, no, seriously. He, he does a good job, but I think you and I both remark going out to New Mexico. is like, wow, you take any old shitty 35 millimeter camera and you point yeah. it in a direction and you snap it and poof, magic. Yeah. I have some pictures I took with my iPhone that look about that. Cause <laughs> it's really, really amazing. Um, but, but the, the framing of this is really cool as they sure. walk in from each side of the frame toward each other. Yep. Uh, it has a very old West style feel to it. Um, you know, the thing is, so clearly, do you think Gus admires Walt at this point? Because, these moves that Walt makes are very Gussian. They are. They're a little bit more. Well, I I don't know if they're a little more bold, frankly, with we with what we know about Gus He's taking and on the, the cartel, cartel right now. Even the yeah. co- the guerrilla war he's still fighting with. Uh-huh. It's, it's not over. Yeah, uh, more to come. Uh, as the Johnny Carson segue cards used to say, I yeah I I think I don't know. He's can. I don't know how self-aware Gus is if he's self-aware to know that, like, wow, this little pissant upstart is a lot like me. Or just you're wrecking my plan and he's still in not taking Walt seriously as a threat mode. I guess you could say that. Well, I, so I read uh, an interview with Vince Gilligan just a few minutes ago before the show. And he was talking about how at so, during this season, at some point, Walt kind of fell behind everybody, one, one or two steps behind. And you, it's exemplified by the cousins just kind of being in the background and Walt being completely oblivious. He didn't know he was about to be killed, all these things. And then there's a point where he meets with Gus. He figures it all out. He puts it together. He meets with Gus, and he says, look, in your position, I would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Vince Gilligan is under the impression that Gus believes him hmm. and that Gus kind of falls for... You know, keep keep and your we enemy about this last sort of thing. last last week that yeah um, that, that, that this was very speaking of words open to interpretation that even Brian Cranston and Vince Gilligan were not on the same page about Walt's motivation and what he meant there yeah yeah and, that, and so I feel like this is the moment like when Walt kills these two drug dealers mm-hmm. this is the moment when Gus says oh oh I see mm-hmm. that's how it is mm-hmm. you you yes you got past me and you played your hand well. Um, but Gus is clearly on a mission now to kill. remove this guy. <laughs> yeah, to kill both, both Walt and, and, and Jesse. It's, it's super interesting. So, like, is Gus too smart for his own good, or too cautious maybe for his own mm. good? Like in this scene, imagine it's Tuco mm. instead of Gus. Boom! In the desert, Walt's dead. 
no questions asked. He probably doesn't even remember the event. Well, so here's the thing. It's like you can't go around criticizing Star Wars every time you hear a pew-pew sound in outer space saying, well, that wouldn't happen because it violates the laws of physics. One of the laws mm-hmm. of physics in Breaking Bad is that a top-notch, world-class meth chemist is a boon to have. Because I think where you're leading me is a smart guy would just shoot Walt right in the face and roll with the gun. Because Gale's a perfectly, even though he doesn't know all the ins and outs of the cook, Gale can get you. No, I don't, don't I'm not necessarily saying that Gus isn't smart because he doesn't do that. What I'm saying is he's so smart that he realizes I still need to cook. Mm -hmm. I can let Walt think that he's going to be that cook while preparing other cooks on the side to take his place. And I but, can do this all under his nose. Yeah, the problem with that is that makes Gus seem stupid because that's literally the rope-a-dope that Walt just tricked him on. And now he's going to double down with like, oh, well, let, I mean, like, Walt smoked out what the re- the chemical leak way before. Like, Walt's too smart. Like, I felt like that sure. Walt knew he was a dead man out in that desert and he had a clock, which is why he immediately planned for you know, Gale to die as soon as, like, on their first cook. So well, maybe Gus is also... That makes Gus seem stupid. But if you go well, with... Well, no, maybe he's just uh, has a higher opinion of himself than he should as compared to Walt. I, I roll with this as just part of the laws of physics for Breaking Bad, that a world-class meth chemist is that much of a big deal that even, mm-hmm. no, you know, a, a 90% solution isn't as isn't good enough for Gus. He needs the 99.1%, and Gale's not, you know, Gale can get you to 93, and if he can let Walt, it, it, it's worth the risk for him, because I don't think anyone thought that Walt, being under constant watch, would be able to pull off an assassination of Gale, or uncover where Gale is at. All those things are kind of yeah. beyond him. Mm-hmm. because And they were. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. That's the thing. If you start thinking, for me anyway, I don't know if it's for everybody. If you start thinking too much about, like, what meth is and how it's cooked right now and the street value and all that, like, a lot of Breaking Bad stuff breaks down. Like, well, it makes no sense. Sure. But I, I'm not sure I'm explaining it properly. If this was Tuco, he would have kind of lucked himself into a situation where... He doesn't have to deal with that. Yeah, he has to deal with finding another cook. Uh-huh. But is that as big of a problem as being stuck with a cook who's going to kill off all your guys? Hell no. Yeah. Ruin your operation, maybe? Yeah, no, like, yeah. I mean, like I said, killing Walt is the smart thing to do, but Gus can't do it because he needs Walt's cook. That's the reason we're given. And he understands that, whereas yes. Tuco wouldn't. Tuco would just blast him. And Tuco and probably... fuck the consequences. Well, first right? of all, I don't know that Tuco would care, because I think even Tuco's the one that says, it's meth. Like sure. y- all your bullshit is, and then Walt had to say like, "Oh no, it's 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 the high end stuff, and it's more efficient, and you get make more profit." And... <laughs> okay, I think we're done talking about okay. this. I think you're just supporting my point, but okay, whatever. Uh, so then we go to the super lab, and it's locked, and Victor lets uh, Walt in, and Gail is back as his new partner. Did I? I mean, yeah, you've seen this before. Do you remember the first time if you kind of saw this coming? As soon as, uh, yeah, as soon as Gus said, I get to pick my own. In fact, as soon as he says, you'll need a new assistant, I was pretty, I was pretty sure Gail would be back. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's what Gail was being groomed for from the very beginning. Mm. But then well, yeah, he, we've he realized that yeah. a lot. So 
Um, then we go to Mike, who is dropping off his granddaughter oh, at what? her home. We actually there's a there's a scene in between here where we show the next day Walt shows up at the lab with his car fixed, and guess who's parked beside him? The Subaru with Gail's reclined bicycle. And then, yeah, that's the scene I'm talking about. I thought you said Mike and Kaylee. No, when Walt goes to the super lab, the one before this. Oh, I thought you said Mike that's and right Kaylee. That's right before. I, I did. Okay. <laughs> but I was moving on from the scene you're talking about. Oh, see, I thought you were talking about Walt. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so let's talk about something real quick. Okay. I thought Gail was hard to read at first. The performance he mm, gave was yeah. like, I'm pissed at you, and also I'm, I've got it out for you. The the performance I thought he gave was confused as to hmm. what was going on exactly. Why am I back? Why was I fired in the first place? Yeah. What is happening here? Even knowing, and not wanting to fuck up, not wanting to do anything to mess up because he might be out again. Hmm. That's interesting because even knowing what was coming, I thought like this performance was strongly hinting to some kind of malice he had, but obviously not. Because in a later scene, he clearly is troubled by the fact that Mr. White is going to die. And, yeah, yeah. But maybe that's after Mr. White has smoothed things over. You're right. There was definitely confusion there. But there, I thought there was some a little bit of anger. As angry as a guy like Gail can get. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's it too, right? Like Gail just doesn't show anger very well. Yeah. So he's a little mad like that he got furious fired. furious anger is kind of like a normal person being constipated. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. All right. All right. So let's go to Mike and Kaylee. Uh, Mike drops his granddaughter off at home, and she wants the balloons in his car. He's like, no, those are for Grandpa. Mm-hmm. Even even adults need balloons sometimes. Sure. Can you be too old for balloons, Jim? <laughs> uh, not these balloons. Not Mylar balloons, apparently. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I'm trying to think the last uh, last time I got a balloon and someone brought over a bunch of balloons for like a playoff game, for a Colts game. And that it was like, seems strange. Yeah, yeah. We, it's like, you know, in the Super Bowl run, there people balloons are going all out. for a football yeah. game? Yeah, it's like a big football balloon. Bring a pizza. Well, yeah, that was that too. <laughs> Bring some dip and that chips. Too. But I used to make a big spread. Back when I was in my church going yeah, yeah. days, I'd have like, you know, Seven 20 layer. people over a house and there'd be all this food. And yeah. So I guess so, you bring balloons if you can't cook. <laughs> okay. Uh yeah, so then that later that night he uses those same balloons to short out the power at a warehouse. Brilliant. Uh I don't know if that would actually work, but it's I, pretty fucking cool. It is, regardless. Um he kills the guards inside and he goes in to talk to this guy named Chow, who we understand has stopped providing the chemicals that they need to make their meth. Um there's been some disruption there because he's being held hostage by all these guys. Mm-hmm. And and we find out that they're, they're the cartel. Uh Mike shoots him in the hand grabs the IDs off the guys he shot, takes them to Gus and says, uh, I'm going to keep searching for Jesse. These guys are from the cartel. That's about it. A lot of stuff to talk about here. <laughs> sure. Uh, I love the music selection. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is kind of slinky, swanky, Ocean's Eleven heist music. And mm-hmm. I feel like that they use that a lot with Mike in the Better Call Saul as well. They do, yeah. You know, There's a very doing... similar scene to this. Yep. Uh with Mike that is very impressive. Yep. Uh, and just his, how ruthlessly efficient he is. Uh, you know, he kit. I didn't notice this before, but he killed two guys with one shot. Yeah. Just lined them up and, and I don't know if he intended to do that. Or it's like, Hey, you know, it's like, is, is that like the assassins uh, hole in one? I guess so. Like you don't Ooh. ever expect to get it, but you play enough golf and eventually the right par three <laughs> will line up and you get the hole in one. Like uh-huh. that's like, you know, the, 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 the hole in one. Hole in two. Yep. And, and the shoe distraction. And he just pulls out all the shots, stops. Like, there's, like, four mm-hmm. different James Bond gags he pulls. I yeah. thought the one with Chow, 
with the hands going up and down oh, was yeah. really, really good. That's the best. Um, I have a problem with this scene. A problem. Okay, before before you get to your problem, I think I know what it is. Okay. Uh, one of the jokes that didn't land for me was this one where he asks, hey, does, is she still here? The child's like, are you still here? And she comes back with this big, long answer. String of Mandarin, And he just yeah. says yes. Uh-huh. I've seen that joke so many times and so many other things that it just... What is the joke? I don't think... The joke is, oh, this long-ass sentence of string of bullshit either just means yes or the guy is just telling you it means yes when in actuality she she said some who's that crazy bald-headed grandfather just okay i didn't even i've seen that so many times okay all right uh (laughs) so you want to hear my problem with this the scene yeah mike is talking about bitching he's bitching a lot in this episode about having to clean up people's messes all right and I get you have to send a message to Chow because you kind of sort of think maybe, uh, you know, we didn't really talk about the context of the scene, which is provided here in a, a follow-up scene. But essentially, the cartel has tried to seize Gus's supply chain. Yeah. This is where he gets his precursors and his methylamine and all the other stuff that goes into cooking meth. And I think they're using this also as a way to kind of bait him out. Sure. Like, I'll take your stuff and then we'll see, you know, like like Mike said, this is a probing action. This is seeing, seeing there's any weakness here in this organization. And Mike's like, there's none. <laughs> um, give him my best mackerel gaze trout as I mouth. say it. Yeah. yeah. Trout mouth pr- pronounces no weakness. <laughs> That's a iron, iron trout mouth. So no hook and fine purchase. So I get you got to send Chow a message. Mm-hmm. But just shoot him in the hand and then send him to a hospital. Okay. I feel like you show up with gunshot. I don't know. Maybe I should try it. But I feel like you shoot. <laughs> you show up with a gunshot wound to hospital, and there's questions that are asked. Probably. And I would police imagine. will be asking those questions. And if the answers don't add up, they're going to be doing investigations, and they're going to be going to where you work. And you know what I mean? Like, I guess you could I, yeah, say I, I was right. fooling around, and I shot myself in the hand. And that's it. And maybe a guy like Mike can say that with a straight dead face, and the cop's like, all right, well, whatever. That's yeah. the answer we're going to get. Chow. Yeah, Chow. And, and also, if there's a nurse that speaks Chinese at this hospital, game fucking over. Yeah. Because this other woman is going to have no problem talking about what all happened. It's true. It's true. I that's I, I felt like that was a little, little much. Like, Bash him in the head. Yeah, get, throw, him, get, throw him down the guy steps. Guy can fall downstairs. Yeah. Guy can run in the walls. Guy can do that kind of stuff. But but shot I, gunshot wounds, I feel like, are special. Maybe not. Maybe not. There's certainly a signal of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're probably right about that. Anyway, we go to Walt and Gail cooking while Victor watches over them. Gail asks about uh, Victor, and he says, you know, there was some drama. That's why he's here. And then Gail tries to tell Walt how loyal and cooperative he's going to be, and Walt likes that, and he agrees to teach him. Uh, I feel like this is the scene I was talking about earlier. Yes, this is the one where it's like it comes together, what Gail is feeling. But also, hmm, I guess I think that Walt already was planning on killing Gail here, which is why. Because if not, I feel like their relationship, you don't, you disagree? I'm not sure how far along Walt is in the formulation of his plan yet. I don't think he's formulated at all, but I think he's on guard because I feel... Oh, he's on guard. And also the fact that, like, Victor is there overlooking everything. Things have changed, and he's smart enough enough to know why they've changed. 
and how they've changed. I think he's playing on to kill Gale, which is why he doesn't say obvious things like, look, you were fine before. It was all about my partner and trying to get him in, and he screwed to Putin. I mean, there's a lot of things he could say with their relationship as it was. Yeah. That could have put Gale at ease if he wanted to, but I think he didn't want to do anything to make it harder to kill Gale later on. Probably. That's keep, my keep read. Keep him at arm's length. Yeah, that's my sure. read situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I guess, I guess the moment when I actually knew what his plan was is when he, you know, basically says it in the uh, the laser tag arena. Like, that's when I figured he that's had made up his That's when you figured he was going to kill Gale when he said, we have to kill Gale. No, the, the moment he made up his mind, I think, looking back, is when he asks Saul to, to rendezvous with Jesse, right? Like, that's that's when he knows what he's going to do. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. When is the... I'm trying to think what the order... When did... Was there a scene in between um, this next one where Gail's kind of puttering out of the apartment? Did the scene... Did the laser tag scene where he says we need to kill Gail come before or after Gail was saying, asking particular questions like, how do you flush this manifold? it's, It's after. It's after the laser tag scene? No, no, the laser tag scene is after that one. Okay, because at that's at the bare minimum when when Walt figured things out, I think. Well, so he talks about, like, he kind of walks Jesse through his thought process, like, oh, I can't kill him at the lab because Victor's sure. always there. And I feel like these these glances that he's giving Victor is him kind of puzzling that out like so you're, how you're am thinking I gonna... he's decided he's killed gail but he hasn't sh- he hasn't decided how he's going to do it because like i said yeah. if he didn't if he if, if he didn't plan on killing gail as soon as he first laid eyes on him then by for sure when gail asked awkward questions like say hey, walt how exactly do you do this one thing that's kind of mysterious? Yeah, then he knows the jig is up. Sure. Gail didn't do a very particularly good job of masking his intent. I guess what I'm saying is there's a difference between Walt knowing what Gus is going to do and Walt knowing what he's yes. going to do Agreed. about it. Agreed. So I'm, I'm not sure. There, there's a timeline here throughout the episode where I think he's puzzling it all together. Yeah, yeah. Where are we at in the episode right now? Have we got to the Gale puttering on the department? Because I want to talk uh, about... That, yeah, that's the next scene. Okay. Um, Gale seems like a cool dude, right? Well, what's depends on your definition like, of cool. I don't He's wanna, not traditionally cool. I wouldn't want to be this kind of guy, but this is the kind of guy I would <laughs> like to know. He seems like, like an interesting guy. You're going to go out for drinks with Gale, and you will learn a new thing that's interesting every single time. Yeah. He invites you over for dinner. You're going to hear, like, I feel the same way about my buddy Big Beard Josh. Like, when I get excited when I go to Josh's house, because I know I'm probably going to have some fantastic meats and cheeses. <laughs> I'm going to drink a beer that's that I've never ever heard of before, and it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And he's going to throw on some tunes that I'm like, we're going to listen to fucking African... Uh, 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 anti-apartheid revolutionary music, the fuck? And then I'm like, oh, yes, this is exactly what we're going to listen to. We're going to listen to it all night long. Sure. That's the kind of guy Gale is. And you need a couple Gales in your life. Like, being oh, yeah. Gale is a hassle. It's a hassle because you got to have things – and you and you ride uh, recumbent uh, bicycles and you have to maintain the needles on your record player. And, and, it's and you got to clean there your bong of... out every day, and you're just very so. But it's there it's are a lot cool of moving to know. Parts in his life. You have to buy Arion chairs. You have to be constantly be vulturing yeah. startups to go so, out of business. So he's he's into. It seems he's into biology, botany, and sure. astronomy. Yep, and he's a Renaissance man. Uh, he's a polymath. Politics, and because he says he's libertarian, that's not something obviously you just chemistry. Pick up off the street. 
Yeah, obviously chemistry. <laughs> so yeah, poetry. He's, he's into a lot of things. Poetry, Italian, Literature. Italian, not opera. I don't even know what these are called. I love how he sang along, and like he just like. There's a lot of songs that are in English that they get to certain parts, and I'm just like blah 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 blah. blah you know, Snow's Informer. Sure, that <laughs> any any rap that's above like a really mush mouth cadence, I'm yeah, just yeah. you know. Uh, but he's able to hang with this guy. Probably understands yeah. it. Probably speaks four or five languages. I assume so. Yeah. Where do you find time today? He's too young to have this much experience. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think he's cool, but I don't think most people would define him as quote-unquote cool well they're like i said maybe interesting the interesting if you don't, if, yeah. if you don't find gail interesting then i don't know what to do with i don't know what to, to tell you sure you're you're probably one of those cool guys <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't learn anything ever but gets all the women yep so he's singing his italian song in his apartment in this scene as he's watering his plants and then gus shows up and says hey how long till you can take over this cook and over the course of this conversation where Gus tells him Walt's dying of cancer and he mm-hmm. d- doesn't have much time. He wants to be prepped for the worst case scenario. The number slowly comes down from a few to one or two, and then finally to one. One more, one more cook. Uh, and you can just see it in Gus's eyes here. Like, just dead. That's the answer I want. I want Walt out of the equation as soon as humanly possible. I felt like he overplayed his hand a little bit. A little? Although, Guess if I'm right was that, that Walt was going to kill Gale from the jump, then maybe not. Yeah, I just feel like Gus, or, yeah, he gave away a little too much information to Gale. Um, although I think the, yeah, he's dying of cancer thing is a really good reason. Oh, sure. and I, but I think to be up to speed. I'm surprised Gale wasn't a little suspicious about... Gus's motives when like I get it like you know you can die of cancer anytime but I don't think you can go from relatively hale and hearty and moving barrels and doing yeah. stuff to drop dead in a day and you know how many cooks do they do a week they do several I feel like they cook one like a cook is a two-day a process right I guess it felt like it's always been a two-day process like you do one thing and then you pour the syrup and then you uh, and then there's a curing process, and you bash it up and box it up, and then you clean, and then the next. So maybe you can do two cooks in a week. Yeah. So you're talking about three cooks. A few cooks would be less than two weeks. No one's going to die of cancer in two weeks. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not an oncologist. Maybe you can. No, I, I doubt anyone looking as healthy as Walt looks at the moment. Right. Like he doesn't seem to be showing any physical signs of deterioration. Yeah. But I, I don't know. You always hear about the, like, you know, guy breaks his bone, finds out he's riddled with bone cancer, and he's dead in six weeks. So Still six but weeks. But still, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, you're how right. do you get in that two-week window? It's... You're right. Like, the Grim Reaper gun to your head. Like, I feel like you got at least two weeks. And I thought he overplayed it just a little bit. But then again, he's a serious businessman, and that's kind of how he's approaching. And I'm trying to protect his multi-million dollar asset, so... Clearly, it works. And ultimately, he has to sell a fiction to him, right? I mean, it's yeah. not like he can go in there and say, oh, yeah, Walt's in terrible shape, so, so and he's... I will say that the nice thing about this scene, though, of, of Gus slightly overplaying his hand, is I remember the first time I watched this, I thought Gale might get in on the caper. Because Gale admires Walt. Ah, he might warn him. Or Walt might be able to say, look... You come and work with me. I need you to kill yourself. <laughs> no, no, no. Like you, we'll we'll leave Gus high and dry, and then figure out yeah, what yeah. to do with him. Because, like you know, season three Breaking Bad. Who the fuck knows? Like they could just pick pick up shop and move to Alaska, mm-hmm. or they could go to a different state, or they could go, offer their service to the cartel. Like the world, 
was wide open. And I remember maybe that's why he put it in there where like Gus slightly overplays his hand. So then the audience is thinking, well, maybe Gale's going to be the key to getting him out and not in like the black splatter his brains all over the place hmm. way. Okay. So I will say that it, that did work for me way back when. All right. Uh, in the next scene, Gale and Walter just scrubbing a tank and Gale's asking questions about the cook. We see Victor kind of menacing them, uh, menacing Walt anyway. Sure. Uh, then we go over to Saul, and he's laying on his office floor, getting getting jiggled. Uh, yeah, this is not a foot massage. This is not a leg massage. It's just moving his legs back and forth. I don't know what it's doing, but it might align your spine. It might sure align your spine. shake the change out of your pockets. Probably. <laughs> uh, Mike shows up to ask where Jesse is, and Saul says, "Look, I can't tell you, man. It's attorney-client privilege. You would want the same if if you were in his situation." Very good point. Yeah. Absolutely. A great point. And although Mike's like, you're not actually my lawyer. I don't want to hurt your feelings. That's but true. I don't. Yeah. He's like, I think, what did he say? I think the hole in the desert that I'd, be, yeah. that I'd dig for you would, would, would keep you silent. Uh, and then Mike threatens physical violence and Saul gives up the address. Uh, so it makes you question like, what, what would Mike and Gus think about him going into the future? Like, is he going to be a reliable lawyer for them see but this it. goes back like i don't think that gus though we've talked about this a bit but i don't yeah, think saul connected. was ever gus's lawyer yeah you know because he was a him. contact of a contact of a contact so like he mike did pi work with him uh because as we'll find out they go kind of way back yeah uh and that is the person who referred gus but i don't think gus had ever had dealings with saul before then sure uh so and that so doesn't change their relationship. I don't think so, but it makes him think of him less as a lawyer. <laughs> I mean, I, can you think of Saul any less? Well, like I'm trying to think of like because that's one of the interesting things about Better Call Saul to Breaking Bad is like how does Saul how does how does Saul get from there to there? Mm-hmm. And you know, like we know in season one Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. Saul was or Jimmy McGill was very, very tough under this kind of pressure. Like, sure. I feel like uh, he might have taken ass beating from from Mike back then. He's changed a lot since. Yeah. One of my favorite lines from Mike, don't make me beat you till your legs don't work. <laughs> that's very like that's when someone gives you an oddly specific threat like that. It's yeah. like not only has he beaten someone before, but he knows the exact effect it's going to get. And oh my God, I'm going to be in a hospital not able to control my bowels or my legs at the end of this process. So this methodical yeah. body-destroying it, beating. It really I'm paints get. a picture for the kind of beating you're in store. You sure. Have in store. Sure. So yeah, that's that's frightening. Uh and they really like do a number on him with the camera here. Like this extreme you can't get the camera any lower. It was on the ground. To shoot up at Mike. Oh yeah. You'd have to dig He's a hole. Cow- well, and, the, and that puts us in, you know uh Saul's position because he's there on the floor and like Mike said no no yeah. you're good there let's both get comfortable uh-huh yeah it's real it's, power play again Michael Silvis yep uh Saul drives out to laser blaze laser base with Walt uh this laser tag center under the guise of you know showing him his front business and Jesse's hiding out there Walt tells him they're planning to kill him and replace him with Gale and Jesse says hey what should we do Walt says the cook can't stop and he knows he has leverage as long as Walt's the only chemist that Gus has, which leaves one option. Mm-hmm. Walt decides to kill Gale. 
I, and and sends Jesse on a mission to find out where he lives. And honestly, I had forgotten the fact that even this late in the game, Jesse's like, we should go to the cops. Yeah. You should go to witness protection with your family. I'll be a drifter. I got like, you know, tons of money for me and things will be just fine. And that would have been a good, good deal. Yeah. Walt's response, never the DEA. Why do you think that is? Hank. Because that's the thing. Like most people could go to... I guess the DEA or to the police or whatever and go into witness protection and the people close to them, it's not going to change their opinion of them. Like, I don't know how, like, so there's different levels of witness protection. Like some, you can't, you're just gone. You never get to see your family again, all that stuff. But yeah. in Walt's case, he knows if he goes that this is going to end his relationship or change it forever with with Hank and Marie, especially with all that Walt is entangled up with Hank's current situation. Yeah, and I mean, there's also the idea that he doesn't want to destroy Hank any further, right? Sure. Like, he already feels guilty about the cousins chasing him and Hank getting caught in that crossfire. Now Hank's going to be disrespected um, because he didn't notice a drug kingpin under his nose. Uh, that's not what Walt wants. So yeah, yeah never the DEA. And also another uh, guilt trip, a huge, huge guilt trip here in this scene where he's uh, telling Jesse, find out where he lived. Uh, he says, I-, I saved your life, Jesse. Are you going to save mine? Yeah. What a guilt trip. Uh, I, I was surprised he made it. Because I felt it worked better if Jesse was allowed to draw that conclusion himself. But, you know, Walt doesn't have abundance of confidence in other people and their decision-making abilities. So I guess that makes sense from that standpoint. Yeah, and Jesse kind of already, I mean, in this scene he says, no, I can't do it. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. Sorry. And then Walt goes in with a guilt trip. So I don't know. Walt's grasping at straws here, man. Yeah. Um, Speaking of grasping at straws... Gets uh, a baby grasping at Walt's glasses this episode in this next scene. Smooth transition. Yeah, we get the same shot um, that we had at the very beginning. This time it's of the current White House. And uh, it's got Skylar cooking dinner. It's got Walt sitting on the couch with his baby, uh, baby Holly. And he gets a phone call from Jesse who gives him Gail's address. He's tailed him, found out where he lived. He says, nobody's really here. It's just kind of a, like, he's at home, nobody's following him. And Jesse says one last time, hey, you should go to the cops. But Walt hangs up on him, goes out to his car, and that's when Victor pulls up and says, hey, get in the car. We've got some kind of chemical leak back at the lab. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which we all know is bullshit. Walt sure. knows it's bullshit. And there's this moment where Walt just kind of looks back at the house. Yeah. Uh, as if that's the last time he might ever see his family. Sure kind of a because it's a flimsy cover this is a flimsy court oh, cover yeah. story if you're trying to hide a fucking surprise birthday party let alone <laughs> yeah a this murder is, this is the get in the car let's go for a ride thing you yeah know? It, gus needs to learn some things from uh goodfellas yeah you don't you, you got to be patient if you're gonna whack a guy you got to let him you know have some rope to run let him feel like he's good and you need to like at the end of the year when you have your made man celebration of like, you know, you're going to, you're going to get your year's payment. We're going to renew it and we're going to have dinner. I'm going to give you employee plaque and then you walk in and you get Joe Pesci. Kapow. Yep. This is just uh, everything. Everything's on red alert. I, I don't know. The tension really works. I'm like, so, okay. 
there's this idea in Breaking Bad that Walter White is the main character and therefore he can't die. And I think that's true. And this is this is typical television in that way. Um, in so many ways, Breaking Bad is not, but that's one of them. Like, these are our main characters. These characters won't die. Um, not until the end of this, the story. And not at the end of season three. No freaking way. Whereas, you know, I'll, something like Game of Thrones has kind of sacrificed so many characters on the altar of... Sure. Like, compelling characters. Yeah. On the altar of, we're going to just keep things fresh and mixed up. Yeah, no one's, sac- no one's safe. No one's sacred. And it makes it extra tense. But even in this show, I'm thinking, man, this is tense. Like, I don't know... Like, certainly Wall can't die, and I don't know necessarily why I'm so tense, but it still works. No, I yeah, I was I was afraid. Like even when he went out to the the desert for the first time, I'm like, oh man, this is such a tense situation because it's just so you know you're going to get Gus, and you know he's going to be looking like Gus does with that <laughs> impassive face and that deep rumbly voice. And mm-hmm. uh, also, while I agree, I don't think that Walt it was possible for Walt to die before the series is over. The fact that the the fact that this show didn't get massive ratings, even in season three. It was still kind of hanging on, and, and AMC was just kind of renewing it. Uh, season four is when the Netflix effect finally kicked in, and it yeah. it doubled or tripled its ratings, and it did it again in season five. I remember I would not have put a passes if they just wrapped up the episode here, like you know, because you think we we talked about like where does Walt go? Where does Walt go from here? He's in a fucking super lab in the in underneath the ground cooking high end meth. Like, what is he going to do bigger and badder than this? Like, mm-hmm. if he gets his brains blown out and he saves Jesse and his family, that might be a satisfying conclusion. Sure, serious. Yeah. So, and I think also the morality of these characters is is at stake, and that's interesting, and especially I, when it comes to Jesse. Their soul, like, yeah, they, yeah. Might, and, and that's the other thing. It's like, okay, so Walt is the only one I ever felt was untouchable yeah the rest of the white family jesse hank marie gomi all those people that we also care about i thought uh were were entirely up for grabs and you know jesse's kind of on the crosshairs so oh yeah uh killing jesse would have been a big thing as well yeah and i mean you don't want to see these characters go too far um to preserve their own lives i think and and this question of is he or isn't he going to be able to kill gail here Sure. Is relevant in that asp- in that regard. And also when they get to the super lab and Walt is begging for his life and offers to give up Jesse, you're yeah. thinking, oh, damn. How ironic. Look he at this just, line he crossed. He just saved him. I mean, in the back of your mind, it's like, surely this is, he's just trying to do anything to buy himself some time. Yes, but, but also I, don't, I believe in that moment that Walt is selfish enough to turn Jesse over. I was in my first watch. I remember how thrilling it was to hear him grab the phone and be like, "You're cl- as soon as he said you're closer than I am." Yep, you got a twenty minute head start. I, I, and it's <laughs> like I felt like the audience was catching up at exact the same time the mic is at what was going on. Yeah, and it's that's great television. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that scene when we get there. Um. Are we there? I think we're there. I think we're there. Say, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they arrive at the lab. Uh, Mike's waiting. Walt's trying to talk his way out of the situation um, by asking to just talk to Gus. I just want to talk to him. Mike refuses. Walt offers Jesse up as a trade, and Mike decides to let him live lo- just long enough to call Jesse. What's it going to hurt? Find out where he's at. Uh, 
Jesse's about to do meth when he gets the call, which I think is interesting. We might have been doing meth. Possibly, yeah. Um, And Walt tells Jesse that he has to kill Gale now or he's dead because he can't do it. Jesse grabs his gun and he takes off while Walt explains to Mike exactly what he just did. The change. Which, oh, the change in personality. Oh, Unbelievable. Brian Cranston in this scene is 6353 Wontabo Apartment 6. Yeah. That I I can't I don't have words to explain how badass Brian Cranston is. Yeah, like with that, from, that yeah is as badass in its way as stay out of my territory. More so because yeah. he's delivering mm-hmm. it. Like with that, confidence. To, should he to have a been man, that confident, so, though? So here's the thing. The, the state of my territory is he's delivering that to... A bunch of yokels. Yeah, a bunch of nobody meth cooks Tweakers who, who don't prob- even know yeah. what they're buying. Sure, aren't doing sure. it right. Yeah. He's delivering this to a guy who we just saw take out an entire warehouse of baddies Yeah, on his own. Yeah. We know what Mike's capable of. It just, just the sheer balls on this guy in the face of Mike. And also, he, you got a 20-minute head start, but... If Gail wasn't call. listening to his crazy ass yeah. music at the at, at his music at, killed him, and with a tea kettle going at the same time, mm-hmm. this whole plan might have blown up in his face. Yep. Like, are you surprised that Walt was so specific in his threat? Because if uh, I guess so, I guess he because he probably couldn't just bluff his way out of. It. He had to give a cr- clear, credible threat. But I'm just thinking, like, man, if, if it wasn't for Gale listening mm. to his music at a ear-splitting yep. pitch and with the tea kettle going and probably him being half into uh, uh, a hookah bowl, uh, <laughs> this whole – I mean, because all Mike's got to do is get him to pick up the phone and be like, you need to get out. Get out right now. Go somewhere. Go. Don't tell me where. Just go. Yeah. Go. Stop. Don't stop driving until I call you again. And Walt's dead and Jesse's dead. Yeah, his music killed him. But without a doubt, first, second, third time watching that does not occur to you because it's just fucking awesome. Oh yeah, it it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Like the yeah, yeah, that was a hole in the plot uh, in in Walt's plan, but it works out for also, him. Also, that's the kind of uh, even the fifth, sixth time you watch it, it's a hole in the plot, but it's exactly the kind of hole that Walt would have because he's won. I won motherfucker, I just outmaneuvered you. It didn't yep. enter into his conscience because of his pride. Uh-huh. We talked about the fact that yes, Walt's a good planner, but a lot of the plans he comes up with only work because he just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like worst case scenario, he dies while well, I was about to be dead and in a barrel at the end of this episode anyway, so Yeah, talk about no leverage. Yeah. They have no leverage over him at this point. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not saying it doesn't work. It's just like you have to yeah, be aware yeah. that there were a few ways that this this wasn't like quite the Batman plan. That it's yeah. just something he pulled out of his ass. He pulled out of his right. ass while he was trying to stall for his life. Yep. This this is one of uh, I want to say just just a, a handful of moments in the series where I I just end up cheering at the end of this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, just like yes, but then, that is how you do it. But Go then Walt. you get the other side of the coin. You do. You do. And that's what Breaking Bad, that, that's the hell of it. Like, just when you're thinking, oh, yeah, well, then you got to like, oh, yes, we have to kill Gale. We kind of like Gale. Jesse's not a killer. Yeah. He had a whole yeah. season two arc revolving around that fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he could have killed those dudes in the street. I think he would have gone and got himself killed. But I don't. He think would he, have, yeah. I don't think he could have pulled the trigger, and he has to shoot mm-hmm. Gale right in his face. And yeah, I think he had a reason to shoot those other guys, but... I don't know that he you know. could have done it. 
Maybe. Eh, I disagree, but I don't think it matters, (laughs) frankly. Uh, Yeah, so let's talk about this final scene. Gail's making tea. Uh, Mike tries to call him. He doesn't hear it. Jesse shows up, aims the gun at Gail as he begs for his life. Um, The screen goes black, and we hear the sound of a gunshot. Mm -hmm. So uh, in my mind, definitively, yeah, he kills Gail. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, Now, now... Is this is this the full measure? Like, because this cycle just repeats again, right? Okay, Walt, continue to cook until we find a replacement for you. You'll be right back in the same situation. Ultimately, he's bought himself, this the plan has bought himself more time. I feel like the full measure, if you want to go all the way, is to kill Gus. But he doesn't have an opportunity to do that. Sure, no, you're you're exactly right. It's almost like that's the plot for season four. But but it works because, like you said, he's just grasping at yeah. anything he can do to prolong his life. Yeah, yeah. But you're, it's ironic that you got half measure, full measure, when last episode, Walt thought he was taking a full measure. Yeah, this he always does. called full measure, but it's really just a way to maintain status quo, which, yeah, you know, that's other, I guess, brilliant thing. Because we're talking about all the possibilities of Breaking Bad had. I wouldn't have thought that possibility for season four is Walt stays around and cooks in the super lab. And comedy ensues. <laughs> like, that seems like the kind of shit that we would be upset with mm-hmm. Walking Dead, for example. Oh, God, we're still on the farm. Oh, God, another season of the prison. So I think enough has changed um, at this point. Like, the questions you're asking at the end of this episode you're right. are, how how does he get to the next sure. step, right? Vince Gilligan flipped the table. Uh, the table's still there. It's recognizably a table, but it's upside you can, down you can and there's glass on up. the floor. And, yeah. yeah. So so now the Super Lab's still there, but it's been flipped upside down. And the dynamic is completely different. Yeah. Now where do we go from here? And uh, also... And what does it do to these characters? What does it do to Jesse? You know, we talked about whether Gus should just blast Walt in the face and think about what he's going to do about his operation. That question, I I know something we because you know this is where we started covering Breaking Bad. That's some of the questions we asked. Like, yeah, what's Gus gonna do? Mm-hmm. Like at some point, this guy's just like I don't give a shit how pure your your meth is. I'll get two guys to yep. cook toilet meth <laughs> uh-huh. and bring him in here because you know I still it's got just the not market. Worth it. Yeah, like yeah, I mean uh, it's not going to be the the grade I'm familiar with, but I've got this market cornered, and as long as I can out fight the cartel and the money keeps rolling in, fuck this guy. Yeah. I'll find another Gale from MIT or wherever you come from, Caltech. I, so it sets that up, right? But like, again, that's... It this, kicks the can down the road a little bit. You have to keep firm in your belief that being a primo meth cook is the most important thing in the Breaking Bad universe. Certainly. Um, so, so the other thing, you know, Jesse this season has gone through um, somewhat of a transformation, I think. You sure. know, after Jane's death in season two, he kind of went through some introspection, some self-examination, and he came out the other side saying, I'm the bad guy. And this episode, this season's all about him coming back the other side and saying, I'm not the bad, I'm not a bad guy. And then at the end, he's pushed into being a bad guy by Walt. But he's in order not. To he has to do a terrible thing, and, and but he doesn't have the soul of a killer. Yes, I agree with that. And whereas I think Walt, is, as a matter of fact, is the bad guy, because he's the one just doing this to save his own skin, right? Sure. I don't know if Jesse's life were at stake if he would do the same thing. If it were, if the position well, between Walt and Jesse and were again, it's not, it's not his actual life in danger because he could go to the cops. It's 
this You're fiction right. hologram of his life that he wants desperately to maintain that is in jeopardy. It's essentially his You're right. his yeah. residual self image, his ego. Sure. So that's what makes it that's what makes it beyond the pale, especially since <laughs> since Gale I mean murdering Gale is like a, a wor- it's kind of like Walt committing suicide because I think that's one of the interesting things they did is they set up Gale as kind of like a younger version of Walt. Mm-hmm. Um a younger, more weirder, not as many kids and women in his life version of Walt. I mean, they have a lot of the same interests and a lot of the same outlooks on life, so I don't know. Do you think Walt gets any sympathy it's for the idea that he wants to preserve what little he can of Hank's life? Does does he get does he get any credit for that at all? I'm not saying it would totally redeem his actions here. I don't think so. I guess you give it partial credit, but I <laughs> but I want to take part of that credit away by saying, is it really about my, uh, Hank, uh-huh. or is it about Hank's perception of Walt and and what Skyler would think with her sister, you know, being yeah. completely alienated from her family, and Hank finding out that you know maybe I was behind the shooting in a kind of roundabout kind of way, and yeah. And now I'm paying. I mean, there's that like it's a Hank and Walt are all bound up together. So yeah, I might give partial credit, but I kind of want to take that away because <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, it's really yeah. I mean, we this is something we've always debated about. When did when did Walt stop becoming someone that you could morally root for? Now I'm not saying yeah. root for in the sense that he's a protagonist and he's interesting and it's awesome what watching him outthink and outfight bad guys. But I'm talking about like where did he go? When when did he cross the line from you know a guy you can kind of like okay I guess I would do that mm-hmm. to oh shit I'm still watching this guy but there's no way in hell I'd ever do the same things he's done. And you know Gail's one of those bright lines where. You know, if you kill Gale, uh, who is essentially a more innocent version of yourself, yeah, just and not to save your life, not to say like again, if this was to save Skyler, Holly, and Walt Junior, sure, you'd kill a stack of Gales, mm-hmm. you'd feed him through a wood chipper. <laughs> but this is to save. This is just so you can keep living the life that you want to live. Yeah, that that's a lot harder. I'm with you. I, I don't think that Walt is uh, still a great guy anymore. Um, I have some stuff that I do want to talk about in the spoiler section. If we do one, we will uh, do one about this scene. I have some th- th- okay. as well. Shall we get but, to? Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Real quick before we get to feedback, I bet you can never guess. Time to do some pimping. Oh, I Time thought it was going to be pimping. a skit. God damn it! <laughs> uh, you know, I want to pimp not just the ways you can support us, but also like the other things we're doing because. Um, I guess it's possible that we only have Breaking Bad. There's there's a class that there only listens to Breaking Bad and like all oh, that other television sounds like stupid. <laughs> but uh, you're not wrong. You're not. Some of it is. Like right now, I'm doing American Horror Story. It's kind of indefensible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's fun, but uh, I'm not saying it's great television. But we do a lot of stuff that I think is genuinely great. Mm-hmm. Or we cover television. None of our stuff is genuinely great, but the television we cover is like the leftovers. Not everybody's cup of tea. But if you like your tea bitter and full of tears and dark and dark, uh, then then it's hard to beat the leftovers and Fargo. Fargo, like if I'm confident, if you like Breaking Bad, you will like Fargo. Hmm. Okay, like Fargo is the most Breaking Bad television show 
on right now for my money. Probably so. Even more so than Better Call Saul, honestly, <laughs> which is kind of weird to say. But Fargo's happening right now. It's just getting in season two. The greatest, the great thing is you don't need to watch season one to appreciate season two, much like you don't need to see the movie. Mm-hmm. There are richer experiences if you've got the whole ecosystem, but they're all standalone, standalone, standalone anthologies. Yep. Um, what else are we doing? Oh, Walking Dead. Better Call no Saul. I mean, that's just a natural Better Call Saul. Game of Thrones. I feel like there's a lot of crossover between Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones fans because they're both a lot of high action and high drama and you know lots of deaths and, and, and intrigue. Um, yeah. But that's just a, a smattering of the stuff. We we did True Detective last year. We'll see for – I'm pretty sure we'll <laughs> probably do it next year. It's kind of depending right, yeah. on what the trailers and what the reviews are saying. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff we could cover next year if it's looking good. Like we really big fans of season one of Mr. Robot. Yeah. Feels like a natural fit. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we got. I I know I'm missing a bunch because we have so many, there's dozens. If you go to our podcast page of shows we have covered or are are covering or maybe will cover and who knows what's going to be the next breakout hit for next year. I'm excited to find out. But yeah, we've always got we've got several podcasts a week. Sometimes we have only almost too many podcasts for one person to 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 watch. Uh, but the way all that keeps keeps going, the engine that drives it is our fans' generosity. Because yeah, we get a little bit of ads, but it's it's not enough to pay the bills. We get uh, our money from you guys pinch pitching in and helping with the club on club.ballmove.com. It's as low as a buck a month, and you can get ad free podcasts and. Uh, video podcasts and exclusive places to hang out in the forums and a lot of other cool things I can never think of. A lot of premium other content, features, premium that we content. do. Yeah, do a lot of video stuff. Uh, you also can go to um, Amazon if you shop on Amazon. Amazon.baldmove.com. I've explained it a million times. I'll do it one more time. Well, no, I'll probably do it many more times. But one more time today, you do Amazon.baldmove.com in your browser bar. It takes you right to Amazon. Bada bing, bada boom. Everything you buy on that session, we get a teeny cut of. It's not a hidden cost increase. Uh, it's not like you're paying fourteen ninety nine and you would have paid fourteen ninety eight. It's the same price. Bezos takes the cut. Yep. Who doesn't want Bezos to take a cut? Mm-hmm. Several cuts. Uh, I know I do. I enjoy it. Sure. Keep and, that copper out of his greedy and, hands. You know, uh, Halloween's coming up, and Christmas is coming up after that. I do yeah. so much of my shopping on Amazon for Christmas because it's just so much easier than getting out into the wide world and fighting with people over Cabbage Patch yeah, Kids. Yeah, less scary. And Furbies. <laughs> and Tickle Me Elmos, whatever the I think big... you, you are shopping about a decade and a half behind, my <laughs> Three friend. decades. Those are the big toys from, like, the last three decades. The yeah. Ghost of Christmas Pass. <laughs> Uh, so I feel yeah, sad. I feel sorry for your kid <laughs> getting all these Furbies. It's all, and for, it's, it's all from it's all broken shit from Goodwill. <laughs> hey, I would have killed for this when I was growing up. This Teddy Rupskin, it's half his face. <laughs> it's going to give you an airship missing the balloons. It's going to give you five nights from Friday's nightmares. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Uh, Amazon.ballmove.com. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Shall we get the feedback? Yep, let's do it. All right, we got a lot of it. Uh, Andrew P. starts us off, said, The full measure cold open is a really informative or is really informative about Walt's backstory and shows how fans should not buy into the idea that his life went wrong because of Elliot and Gretchen Schwartz screwing him over. This is the email that I alluded to in the beginning. Uh, here he's around 34, working at the Sandia lab and feeling good about life. Walt and the Schwartzes founded Grey Matter in grad school when they would usually be around their mid to late 20s. This cold open suggests that there was a gap of several years between Walt leaving Grey Matter behind 
and becoming a failed high school teacher. That's right. a failed, failed high school I, teacher. That's that's some editorial. That I don't know if those, I can agree with. Those kids were pretty disinterested. <laughs> that's true, but that's say. what kids are. That's yeah. That's also true. I took chemistry class, and there's a lot of disinterested kids there because it's a. I, Until you turn on the Bunsen burner, nobody pays attention. Well, yeah, and you start burning shit. But that's the yeah. thing. Like, why make chemistry a required thing to learn? Like I get give, reading, give people a taste, I, I, I get guess. reading, I get writing, mm-hmm. I get the arithmetic, you know, the classic three R's. But yeah, once you start getting the biology and chemistry and world history, and th- I mean, I think those are all things absolutely everyone should know. But it's like you can't you can't lead a horse to water and make him drink. And I feel yeah, like yeah. a lot of those classes would have been much better off if you had the kids that really geeked out to learn about this stuff, and you got rid of all the kids that. Just give me my F and I can go home. Yeah. Get so, rid of Jesse Pinkman's. I, I wonder, maybe they should have like a starter class for these sort of things where you, where you experiment with just a whole bunch of different things from a wide range but of But isn't topics. that science in grade school? Like if you, get out of, if you get out of junior high and you're not sure about this whole science thing, then what the fuck? So – well, you can't you can't have it both ways. You can't say, "Oh, we shouldn't put any kids into these chemistry classes because then they don't know what the fuck chemistry is and they don't know if they're interested in it, right?" Mm-hmm. Whereas if if you like take all these kids and say, "We're going to expose you to all all of these things: history, science, math, uh, you know, just a ton of stuff, literature, mm-hmm. art, then music. then you take the kids who, you know, really glom onto that stuff a specific thing and then you put them in the classes you don't make them go to the classes necessarily yes you you allow them to find their own path but uh-huh. but you have to expose them at some point that's or, or they'll that's never what know gra- what that's they're what grade in. in junior high is for okay. like i don't know about you but i learned a lot of science in grade school and in sure. junior and did started doing experiments and playing around bunsen burners in junior but when you get into like chemistry um like i guess algebra I'm trying to think of like where you'd actually draw the line and say like, okay, not all high school kids need to know this. Yeah, I mean, it's an open question about whether you anything that you learn in high school is useful for an ordinary life. Then you got to say, oh well, how much of it do you expose them to before we say, well, they're just not interested? And is there is there is there a better fit for like trades? Like, should there be more trade schools that kids can investigate if they want to opt out of the academic <laughs> side of things? I, I don't know, know, man. Let's fix. Let's fix. Why I'm not on a school let's board? Let's fix U.S. education. Do it why, right, why right we're here. On the right last now. Breaking Bad. But yeah, damn you, Andrea, for calling me a failed high school chemistry <laughs> teacher. This is your fault. This is your fault. The last five minutes, your fault. Yep. Uh, let's continue with their thoughts. See what other fights we can start. When Walt sold out of Gray Matter, the ideas he had worked on remained the intellectual property of the company. What he did not do well was sell his genius, quote-unquote. He kept his smarts and was able to get a job with a prestigious lab. I suspect that there were a few years where Walt and the Schwartzes were equally successful and could socialize on fairly level terms. They were probably a decently performing company whilst he was in a top research field and contributing to Nobel-winning projects. Schuyler and Gretchen knew each other well enough to visit together for an afternoon in Peekaboo. They spoke like old friends who have fallen out of contact, not a wife and ex who have met just a few times. Mm-hmm. All agreed so far. At some point, Walt screwed up at Sandia, gave up on fulfilling himself, and became a teacher. Gray Matter was, a meanwhile, mega successful. They fell out of each other's circles and did not meet again until Elliot's 50th birthday. Some of the feedback for that episode that was that inviting 
was was that inviting Walt was a jerk move, but in fact, a big birthday is a natural time to invite old friends to catch up. At my stepdad's 60th, I saw a lot of family friends I hadn't met since his 50th. When Gretchen and Elliot heard Walt needed money, they wanted to share some of theirs, but that doesn't mean they screwed him over. It just means they're good people who appreciated the company they built would not have success succeeded without his early input. Sure. I agree with all that. Maybe it's fitting that my last email to you about Breaking Bad goes right back to the start. I'm one of the... Wait. Yeah, I'm one of the few that actually liked Hank more than Walt in the pilot episode because I thought Walt's resentment was due to his own failure to try, and this episode showed that he really could have had more from life and shouldn't have waited for the cancer. Mm. I find it difficult to take... Uh, I've never had this thought before, but the cold open does raise the specter of Walt getting in his own way, which would have happened regardless of whether the you know, cancer had come up regardless of whether Schwartz had dumped him, regardless of whether uh, Gretchen had dumped him, regardless of whether he met yeah. her family. It's like whatever the backstory, he was destined to kind of be a failure because of something. It's who he is. His perfectionist streak, the yeah. fact that he had unreasonable pressures put on him for his mom, the fact he didn't ever know his father. I was like, I don't know, but it's kind of a compelling case. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on? Yeah, I don't have any complaints about that other than to say I don't, think hank in the first episode is a likable guy he, he's likable. likable but he's kind of an asshole I, and again i will say that like seven years after i saw breaking bad the first time going back and watching that first glimpse of walt is kind of painful oh yeah because he is this schlub yeah. of a man who's just letting himself get you, railroaded all you over you want place. more for walt but 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 I, you also I it's, don't it's know hard about to, hank man yeah yeah uh, Tyler S. Just finished my season three rewatch, and even though I knew it was coming, I was still absolutely blown away by the final scene. Jesse's face as he's about to shoot Gale is absolutely heartbreaking, especially knowing yeah. that Jesse will go through emotion. Uh, what will he go through emotionally? Uh, mm-hmm. Luckily, I was watching it by myself and was able to let the tears flow freely without judgment from my roommates. Oh, fuck those guys. <laughs> also, do you think Gilligan tried to choose the hardest song he could think of for Gale's sing-along? <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe so. Uh, I, I know things. he gave him like the digital file of it yeah. or something. It was just like, you're going to have to sing this at the end of the season, so yeah. be ready and uh, really go for it. <laughs> see, I was thinking you must get that from the podcast because I didn't get a chance to I got it from it. an interview. Ah, uh, I thought maybe it's a Skinny Pete situation where he comes in and plays a few bars. Oh, and they're like, and then wow, they wrote, really good at that they wrote a scene, Yeah, they wrote a scene for him. Like he's just you know singing Italian opera or whatever. And yeah. That wasn't opera. That's kind of like Italian doo-wop. I don't know what it is, man. <laughs> Crooning. I, yeah, I don't know what it is either because the other the other song was more Chinese. Like yeah, all I heard is like meow 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 meow. That's that's all I heard. You heard the meow mix commercial. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, Shum continues. I don't remember if the show is still in danger of being canceled at this point in its run. But how do you guys think this episode would have functioned as a series finale? It was not in danger. Uh, they very shortly after the finale aired, they renewed it for a fourth season. So I don't think it was in much danger. Um, as far as the ending of this, I don't know. I read an interview with Gilligan who said he didn't know that when he set out principal photography, though. Like, no, 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 of course not. Yeah, uh, I'm sure they were talking about it, but he wasn't sure. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think I buy this as a series finale. It would have. I it's, mean, this is one of the things because, like, I think this is when critics started to say this is this is the pantheon level television. Yeah, and we've talked about it, like this is where Breaking Bad hit its like you know, leaving orbit stage of its rocket. Yeah, every review I read said 
this is one of the best years of television we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, period. Yep. And I, knowing what I know of seasons four and five, I look back on that and kind of snicker a little bit. But but they're right. Yeah. They're not, they're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, no. You're, you're, you're right. Uh, but I will tell you, it doesn't get any worse from here. I will say that if they'd canceled it, I think it'd be one of those things where people, like, you know how people oh, de- debate man. like Firefly, what yeah. would happen? Then you got a movie. Like this is such a great kind. It, it changes what Breaking Bad is. Like Breaking Bad almost becomes an avant garde, uh-huh. like black and white morality film. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like uh-huh. this. Like what does it mean? Like that last shot would be something that you could debate and talk about forever. Directed by Lars von Trier. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. So. Anyway, appreciate that. Gerard M. says, don't know if this rises to the level of a mention in the last ever podcast. Spoiler alert, it did. <laughs> but to remind us how relevant this show continues to be, check out this article I recently came across on the Aztec becoming, becoming one of the more popular models among millennials. Oh, my God. This is um, – uh, shoot, I cut out the actual link, but I'll put it in the show notes if you want to read. It's it's not much beyond this blurb. But they go to the top 10 cars from millennials, and there's a bunch of stuff that you could uh, guess, like uh, the Subaru WRX, you know, like the nerd cars. But the uh, quote is, widely regarded as one of the ugliest cars ever bit, built. Nevertheless, the Pontiac Aztec has ranked sixth place with over a quarter of all sales going, going to millennials. Edmonds <laughs> called it as a result of the Breaking Bad effect. Wow. I, I mean, it must be because I just did a quick Google search on Pontiac Aztec, and every article I see is like fifty worst cars of all time, <laughs> like Pontiac Aztec debacle. How did the, how do bad cars happen? <laughs> I don't know its reputation mechanically. I don't either. I know my like I said, we've talked about this. My their dad, windshields are bullshit. my dad was really hot for it, and I thought the camping package is pretty cool. Yeah. I shit. I, you know what? I think I want to buy an Aztec before I die. There you go. Was it what, next I, car? Yeah, my, my 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 dream car for a long time was a DeLorean for obvious reasons. Yeah, but that's yeah. almost unattainable. Like you have yeah. to be a multimillionaire. I can get a fucking Aztec. Every, everyone can. Everyone can own an Aztec. <laughs> well, and hell, I'm gonna go for the camping package. I'm gonna treat myself. <laughs> do it. Pop out tent. I'm gonna get some nice wheels for it too. What do you think about that? No hubcaps for this Aztec, baby. Reinforce the windshield. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Like make it look like a tornado chase vehicle. There you go. Oh God. Uh, yeah. I think the tornado just pick it up and roll it like a six sided die. Uh, Matt says he has top ten reasons for why this was an awesome episode, or why this is like a particularly awesome episode of Breaking Bad and, and, and an awesome season. Uh, number one, this episode is such a tip of the cap to Mike's character, continuing from the half measures uh, uh, episode just prior. Two, opening scene from the White's house shopping. This is an awesome fan service from the standpoint of the writers presenting a high school kind of play uh, that is complete with nutty hair and makeup. This is going like a high school production of Breaking Bad. Okay. Uh, I'm wondering whether you guys feel this way. Did it cross your minds that this scene also represents a point where Walt is committing to Skyler when he should have been running for the hills? Palpable sense of she not being the right woman for him and him kind of giving up his potential for whatever his reasons. Perhaps the Skylar hate contingent out there uh, read into this scene likewise. Because at the very beginning hmm. of this episode, I was saying, like, I don't know. There was something about Walt here that read, I'm not happy and I'm not satisfied and I want more. 
And I'm not yeah. so sure that he's not right. Oh my God, I'm turning that, into an NFL announcer. That's, I'm just not so sure that he might not be right, probably. Yeah. Uh I I don't know that that's because Skylar is not the right person for him. Like she's I, kind of more of a hippie flower child look on this thing. And she's also like yeah, a bit more. We can make do with less, and this is gonna be the sad eBay hand job of later. I mean, I I could see where it's all but I so over the years, she exerted pressure on him not to live up to his potential because good enough was good enough. I don't know. I, who knows how you go from, I mean, how do relationships fall apart? Like, um, I've always been a big fan of the, like, you treat, you teach people how you want to be treated subconsciously and consciously. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe this is the tipping point. Like, Walt could have pushed, no, this three bedroom thing at the good school, that's not good enough. We can do better. And Skyler was yeah. there to tell him it's okay. We can settle for this. And as he, you know, loses his job, we can. You can be a high school teach. You know, I, I can see the soft bigotry of low expectations <laughs> destroying this relationship, and then Mo- Skyler going into mom mode and having to, you know, kind of run. I who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? But the, I do feel yeah, like I'd... this was a, more of a turning point, like like Matt saying here. Uh, in just the time, I'm going to skip some of these we've already gone over. Uh, Mike being called Pop Pop by his granddaughter. The whole duality of Mike in that scene talking about the rhino, that he can be this kindly old grandfather and this ruthless killer. Hmm. Pretty, pretty, that's why he's one of the all-time great characters. Yep. Uh, Gail Bedecker's clock powered by potatoes. Holy shit, Gail. Holy shit. <laughs> why not? He's an interesting guy. Right? Interesting I mean, guy. what are you going to do? Are you going to buy batteries or are you going to buy potatoes? Uh, one's renewable. Yeah, that's all I know. One puts lithium in, in into and uh, in, in acid and nickel and cadmium, right? Hey, into I'm... landfills. <laughs> you can make your own choice there. I guess you just hate the environment, Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, number ten, the final scene. Aaron Paul's grand slam acting job is showing us how what Jesse is about to do goes against every molecule of his being, and the torture in his face puts all the context you need into how this decision to murder Gale traumatizes his character for the rest of the show. Hell of a scene. Indeed. Can't, Indeed. Can't say enough about the acting in the show. Uh, Lou M wants us to hear, wants to hear us rather talk about Walt's life before he's diagnosed with character. Did he lie to people before? Or are we supposed to conclude that he's a bad liar because he's not practiced? Did he have a violent streak before? Or was he an everyman who was just pushed to his point by circumstances? Was he a megalomaniac that just lacked the opportunity to express that side of himself? Uh, Aaron mentioned his parents once before. What do we think his childhood was like? Did he have daddy issues? So I do want to chime in because I, one thing I forgot that people remind me on the forums is that Walt White's father dies of Huntington's disease when he was about six years old. The Huntington's, uh, very Alzheimer's like muscular and mental degenerative disease. Um, so he laments to junior that he never really knew his father as more than this kind of shell of a man. Mm-hmm. And we've got hints that the relationship between his mom and he are are pretty distant and troubled. Yeah. So that's a little bit, you know, if you want to put Walter White on the couch. What do you think? Do you think that he has this latent violence and duality and megalomania? Or is this something that was and that was allowed to be expressed because of the cancer? Or do you think that cancer was a desperate moment that allowed him to adopt these traits for survival purposes? I think my answer is not enough information. Like we don't see 
I mean, we get the barest of glimpses into who Walt was before all this happened. Um, I don't know that I am. <laughs> I don't know that anybody is qualified aside from maybe Vince Gillian uh, to answer that question. I don't know. It's like, so where, let me ask you this philosophically. Do you think that everyone is capable of shocking violence, giving the right motivation and circumstance? Yeah. Or do you think there's some people that just, there's absolutely no way they could kill someone even in self-defense no, I don't think that's true. Interesting. I kind of do. Hmm. I think there's people that have it in them to do that, and there's some people that. just Well, maybe do it. nowadays there is. I, I I think that I think that is largely bred out of humanity, you know, in prehistoric times. Sure. Like once we started, if you don't once we started farming, dead. once we started farming yeah. and yeah. and building walls and having to get along. So maybe that's crept back in. Sure. Hmm. Uh, maybe there are people like that. Okay. But I, I think that's the the vast majority of the population would under dire circumstances, do something like this. Might not work. Yeah. But they'd at least try it. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's kind of like, it's a litmus test. What do you think, you know, Lou and everybody else? Like, if how you see the world is probably how you see Walter. Because you can see him as a man who's pushed to a circumstance. Um, but it's hard to, the, the thing we keep harping on is that he had an easy, like, I believe a guy in his circumstances could come up with this idea and think, okay, well, meth is a quick, easy, clean way to make some a bunch of money yeah, in a very short amount of time. Not knowing much about it. Sure. As soon as Elliot and Gretchen show up, he the megalomania has already kicked in. So that kind of yeah. hints that that was something that's always there. And I guess if you want to say, oh, well, Walt wants this big house and all these fancy things and stuff, that maybe pride was a little bit of that, too. Sure. Uh, maybe he wants to show off a bit. I want to give my family the life they've always deserved and I've always wanted for them. Yeah, or even like I want the neighbors to know that we're well off or something like <laughs> Keeping that. Keeping up with know? the Joneses, the Maybe. Schwartzes. Stella S. said, I want to write about what I think makes Breaking Bad a pretty near-perfect piece of television. So I binge-watched the series over the course of a couple of weeks recently. After looking at reviews from people who watched the series as it aired, I honestly believe Gilligan and company intended us to experience the show as a block rather than as a serial. Now, I will interject that listening to all these podcasts, as Gilligan has said many times, that he doesn't know how this would work as a binge, or like now that Netflix has happened. And I don't think he certainly, at least in the beginning, intended to engineer it that way. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, who knows? Uh, she says it makes more narrative and dramatic sense as a unit, much like a novel. Many of the criticisms about pacing and drop storylines fall away when we see Breaking Bad as a text to be consumed whole. Maybe this is why Wall's first episode review is so off-target for people who have experienced the series in its entirety. He's essentially saying, Ulysses, meh, 30 pages in, I don't get it, probably better as a short story. I don't know. I I still think Alan Wall's review was kind of indefensible. I don't – what was his review? That it's – Brian Cranston's kind of amazing, but the plotting – the plot was slow and nothing oh. really – About the pilot of – because I clearly <laughs> remember hearing Breaking Bad's good, and this was after its first season, uh -huh. and watching the first episode and thinking right away, oh, shit, yeah. yeah. I am amazed at how much the critical reaction – and there was – across the board, we did this in the very first episode. We read snippets. People were just kind of unimpressed. So, yeah, this is one of the few shows that hooked me from the beginning. You are notoriously a difficult <laughs> fish to get on the hook. Yeah, you got to like put out two seasons and I have to watch it twice and then I'm on. But yeah. not with this show. Yeah. 
Uh, as an example, Dave Porter's credit scores. As you rightly point out, his work was wasted during the initial AMC airings. I think he committed to the project knowing that the initial TV audience would, over time, become the minority of viewers with most people watching or rewatching after the series end. I think that mindset mm-hmm. permeated the show. This was released as a serial because of how we consumed the television before Netflix and Amazon, just as Dickens released most of his novels as 20 installment serials. We don't read Dickens today in that serialized form. The same with Breaking Bad. I so that's a good point. I think that I don't know if I buy on evidence because I've t- spoke with Dave Porter and he said he did this just kind of as a way to amuse himself. Similarly to yeah. how I approach show notes for the podcast, mm-hmm. I don't need to do anything other than this is the podcast for episode three thirteen full measure. Yeah, but you know I sit and stare at a wall for fifteen and twenty minutes sometimes, thinking what? <laughs> how can I say this? clever and kind of this pattern that I've got going. What can I do to make it amusing for the three people that read it? I think sometimes people do that. Like Dave Porter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think no knew that this show was going to, especially season one where this was just a, um, a lark, you know, it's a, it's a strike shortened mini season. Like he was doing that thinking, Oh, well one of these days on DVDs or Netflix, I'll look like a genius. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, from what he said, sounds right. But I also agree with her that, uh, yeah, if it was created for a different experience, it would probably be a little different. I mean, Netflix, yeah, Netflix was around and it was kind of a thing yeah. when when Breaking Bad first started, but it wasn't nearly the phenomenon that it is now. Sure. But it, but it's like, yeah, of course the the medium changes the product, right? Like. So, like, I guess let's... If he knew, okay, I have 13 episodes, they're all going to be dropped at the same time, let's do this. I I feel like it would have been a little bit different. What do you think... Because I guess this begs the question of if Charles Dickens sat down to write Great Expectations and he knew he's just going to write it as a novel and not as a serial because that's the way it was consumed at the time, Mm -hmm. would it have changed how he wrote it? Because I feel like that... um, Stella's premise here is that Vince actually did write this, and that's why you have like you know some three or four episode arcs where it's like not much happens. This is set building, you know, set piece moving, all that kind of stuff. If he could have actually designed it as a consumable series, would it have changed the structure at all? Like if Dickens could sit down and say, "I'm going to write this a novel. Now I'm going to clean it up and make it into a novel." I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of shows will do. Like, you know, these episodic cliffhanger type things. Sure. Where I don't feel like Breaking Bad does that a whole lot. You know, even like this is not a cliffhanger in the way that most shows are cliffhangers. Un- unless you ascribe to the theory, oh, well, g- he didn't actually shoot Gale. He moved his arm over or whatever and for some reason just shot into the air mm-hmm. uh, instead of just putting the gun down. Um, I think I think Breaking Bad is more like a Netflix show would be right now. Um, even though it was not made for Netflix than than most shows are, right? Like most shows will have, oh, did you see what happened this week? What the hell's gonna happen next week with that? Yeah. Breaking Bad has that, but it's in a different way. It doesn't feel like it's every week. It doesn't feel like they're going for the same kind of action points. It's more like, how does the thing that just happened affect the character of these people? Yeah. And Hmm. Not like, oh my God, how is how is he going to get out of that? Although I do think they did a fair amount, and I know listening to Vince on the podcast said that he they always tried wherever possible to find those natural 
moments of drama to leave an episode on. Um, because yeah, it is. You kind of want them to. It, it's the same way, like The Martian. You know, that was actually the same thing. It was a series of of installments that was written, and that's why it's kind of got this natural, you know, hmm. cliffhanger resolution, cliffhanger resolution, cliffhanger. And if it was told just as a short story or novella, I probably would they would have cleaned that structure up a little bit. But I I yeah. don't know. I mean, there you go. You're comparing a first time novel writer to Vince Gilligan. Sure. So it's like one of those things where it's like if the format, how much does the format influence the form and how much does the form kind of is, uh, essentially remain unchanged even if he'd have done it? Like what would Breaking Bad the movie look like? I think we've even talked about that. Man, how do you get through that much? How do you get through that much plot? You could tell a version a of season a one hour. that I think would be pretty satisfying. Of season one, maybe. Uh, as a, as a two-hour kind of yeah. character piece. And you'd have to speed up things and slow down others, but I think you could probably do that. And that's it for the non-spoiler stuff. We have one more email to consider and a couple points we want to talk about, and that's it. All right, cool. If you like, there is no more email. No, so don't send, don't send any in. But you can go on to. We're redirecting it to null. So <laughs> dev slash null. Dev slash null. There's always the forums that will always be a haven for Breaking Bad talk and Better Calls toss. Better Tall Saul. Better Call Saul talk going forward. It's forums that bald move. God, I what? Why can I get out of URL? Oh man, Seattle fucked up my brain. It's almost like there's some sat substance out there that's legal that might have addled it. Man. Uh, you can go to forums.baldmove.com to get to our forums. That's correct. And talk with other baldmove.com people. Mm. Are we ready for spoilers, man? Please. Yeah, yeah. If you're into spoilers, if you haven't seen uh if you haven't seen seasons four and five, please don't tune into these spoilers. Uh if you have and you want to join us, wait till after the music. And uh I, I normally say we'll be back next week and to see we then, will. But we'll be back next week and every week with other shows, other awesome shows that you will probably enjoy. Sure, and sure. that I'm confident you've sampled if you're this far along into Break a Bad Bald Move podcast. Certainly. All right. So until those other podcasts, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you. And we're back with the final spoiler, spoiler section. Fucked it up. Can't I can't speak. You can't speak. This is going to be a shit show. It's it's already been. <laughs> what uh, do we got? So the big thing that I I saw is the statue. Then this is something we talked about in season four. Yeah, the statue with its face blown off. Mm-hmm. I thought that that didn't come out until season four because we see some flashbacks where we go through some of this stuff. But this is season yeah. three. Mm-hmm. I do not believe that Vince Gilligan intended for Gus to get his face blown off in this way in season three. Nope. But hot damn. Hot damn. That's some really good strip mining. Yeah. If 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 he even I, I don't, I don't, even don't know think he's strip mining. mining. I think it's a happy coincidence. If so, it's it's a hell of a happy coincidence. It's one yeah. of those things where you'd swear to God it was planned once someone pointed out to you. Mm-hmm. Uh also we'd be remiss if we did not discuss the I think in inane debate that went on between season three and season four of exactly. whether yes. Jesse really shot Gus. This is all started because Vince Gilligan started off 
the scene where you're about 15 degrees off center from Jesse's gun. Yeah. Then the camera swung right in front of Gail's perspective and then faded to black and shot. Just to get a shot down the barrel because it was cool. And I don't know why they did that because I kind of think it would have been better off if he just we we just been looking down the barrel like it's Gail's POV. Sure, the whole suddenly time. we're a third yeah. party and oh shit, we're Gail. But a lot of people misinterpreted that as Jesse's aim shifting. Yeah, but his arm—it's the camera that moved, not his arm. Yes, it is 100. And I don't see how you can see the scene too. Like if if you see the scene once and you get on Reddit and people are like, "Oh, maybe the gun," and you go back and watch it, sure. Yeah. But if you go back and watch that second time, you're like, no, no, it's the camera to move, not his aim. Yeah, both his head and his arm, the gun, change perspective. Yes. Because the camera is moving, not his arm. Yes. So deal with it. <laughs> and it turns out we are also super right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, that is established immediately starting next season. Also, what's the point of shooting into the air beside him? Like, what does that do? Scare him enough to Man, there run was away? Crazy like, theories. There's crazy theories yeah. that, like, um, well, Victor got there theories. and he's climbing in through the back window. <laughs> oh my no God. shit. I'm not Up kidding the you. fire escape? I was, my eye, I, I went back because, so Reddit, I don't think, was around for all of Breaking Bad's history. Gus got there and was climbing in the window. <laughs> But Gus this, is dead, y'all. This is one of the first <laughs> ones where there was an actual contemporary watch thread for yeah, this yeah, episode. Yeah. And it was unbelievable. I don't, and you know, also with the Reddit culture, half of those people could have been trolling. Sure. Like anytime sure. I see a really crazy theory that looks stupid in a Reddit thread, I'm thinking you are just either trolling for karma or trolling for effect. Yeah. But I think people genuinely thought that there was a little bit of ambiguity to this. Yeah, I did not. I did not. I did not either. But, and, and lo and behold, there wasn't. No. What did you want to talk about? That was it. Ah. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk to Barry C. here, who says, you mentioned in the last podcast that Walt running over and shooting the two child killers was one of the first, or great, first-time viewing moments on Breaking Bad. Now that we're wrapping up the coverage, what would you say were the other first great, <laughs> or the other great first-time viewing moments? This. Yep, we talked about that off the top of my head. Uh, this is Barry, not me. The fulminate a mercury scene, stay out of my territory, I'm yep. the one who knocks. Yep. The confession DVD. Gus getting his face blown off, the Nazis getting machine gun, and of course, roof pizza. I want to throw <laughs> the crawl space. Yep. Crawl the space. maniacal oh, laughing. Fuck, that's so good. 411, man. If you haven't seen that one, go watch it. Uh, that's that's pretty good. Maybe watch the ones before it, too. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean... Yeah, crawl space as, is infamously one of my all-time favorite Breaking Bad episodes. That... Is just classic. yeah. You might like it a little disproportionately. I'd like probably it a little bit less because so, you like it so much. But um, <laughs> probably was, so. But man, I, Jane good. choking on her vomit. I remember yeah. literally. There's a couple things that I've seen in my day where my hand actually covers my mouth. Like yeah, and and that was one of those. Like it just was so shocking and so unexpected. And Walt's reaction played so well. I mean, basically all of Ozymandias is amazing. Yeah, you know Hank's death and all that stuff. That's that's incredible. But I I felt like that was stuff I saw coming. Honestly, okay, so, so it's like, but, but that doesn't I, I make it a, worse. Yeah, I struggled to put to anything watch. in the last half of season five in great all time first watches because that felt wow. to me. Hmm. Well, no, but here's the see, I see great first time watches as something that's a, a unique moment that you can never get again. 
a lot of these things play off as badass. Like, Stay Out of My Territory works every single time you watch it. Yeah. And I thought that the second half of season five played much like a clockwork mechanism, where we all kind of... Everyone's suspicions about who lived and who died broadly turned out to be correct. What about the moment where Walt turns around in Hank's driveway uh, and they have their garage showdown? That was pretty good. That was like an all-time... That was pretty fucking good. First watch moment, yeah. Because um, you're right. I mean, we do see we do see it coming with Hank, but that moment like kind of surprised me. Yeah, the Walt was doing what he was doing. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Uh, the little kid getting killed, uh, and then immediately the, the open up kid with the, or the yeah 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 Tomas, um, okay. the and then immediately open up the next episode with the the lunar soundtrack playing over them dissolving his body and his bike and barrels was box cutter. Oh Fuck. Jesus! Box, Box cutter. cutter. <laughs> Very next episode. That that whole scene where Gus comes yep. in and gets suited up and then slits Victor's throat. The silence. That is still shockingly effective. But that first, like, oh God, what kind of feeling you got from watching <laughs> that the first time? Pretty, pretty yeah. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I know. Like, what was the first instant cast we did? Uh, because I, I I don't know. There was a one episode in season four that so moved us, we decided to do the instant podcast, and I'm struggling to remember what it was. All right, so we we just did went through the Wayback Machine, and we found out their very first instant podcast was for episode 408, Hermanos. Mm-hmm. And that is where we find out Gus's origin story. And yeah. We've got all that stuff about... Meet uh, Donald Audio. Yeah. I think that's uh, well, no, we, we didn't meet, meet Don Eladio, but we saw, you know, Gus and his brother. What was his brother's name? It wasn't really his brother. I don't remember. Miguel. No, so, it wasn't that I either. have no idea. But he has brains blown out in the pool. Yeah. Uh, that was amazing. And now that I think about that, the episode where Gus, po- you know, poisons the tequila. Yeah. And just just decapitates the cartel is another amazing like you you know that's still a badass moment that plays out but just the shocking nature of all that stuff happening and uh was was really good first time television for sure yeah so uh, the other moment i guess um it's probably hank on the toilet discovering leaves of grass yeah because that was a chilling moment yeah because you're at that point waltz out skylar's finally convinced him and everything's going back to normal and you're like how what what how are we going to continue to have breaking bad (laughs) and then he finds that fucking book and it all starts here with gail yep it's uh unfortunate yeah lots of good moments in season four gail's video yeah it's uh major tom is that what it is was it yeah did he have two i felt felt like he had two there was the major tom one and then uh, did he have uh, take me on take on me Uh take on me yeah uh uh-huh uh maybe why do i think it's there was one online or something that wasn't actually in the show because there was so many they did so many cool things of that season they had the the gail's journal online fully and people were just pouring over that for clues it's like perfect podcasting seems like it and that's it's the like only the kind of thing lost. I feel like we, yeah, the show. we, we. There's not a lot of shows like we. I feel like we keep on missing those perfect podcast shows. Like we missed season one of True Detective the first time around. Mm-hmm. We just missed Mr. Robot, which would have been another one of those I think perfect podcasting shows. Um, eh, what are you gonna do? Well, we dodged a lot of bullets too. We dodged so. a lot of bullets. 
We're you <laughs> so know, there's that. There's there's always that, and it's easier to dodge them than it is to take them right to hit. <laughs> it is, as Gail found out in this episode. That's all the spoilers we got. Like I feel like I'm dragging my feet because I don't want it to end, but all good things. That's man. all the reminiscing we had. Like two emails from. There was uh, a lot of reminiscing uh, just for 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 spoil. Well, I mean, uh, the cold open guy was still out there at the cold opens. All right, you want to talk about cold opens? Because I, I, mean, I thought we he talked had a, about it before, though, right? I felt like he had a pretty good list, except for, as we found out, you, you left off Wendy. Uh, this was Judd, and he had sure. Kafka-esque. Okay. Uh, that's a TV spot for Los Pollos Hermanos. Ozymandias. Um, that's the 14th episode of Season 5. The flashback of Season 1, Walt and Jesse cooking in the RV. Um, also, what Villigan said on his Insider podcast, it's Walt's first lie to Skyler. Um Crazy Handful of Nothing, Season 1, Episode 6. Walt lectures Jesse on how the business will be ran, split with Heisenberg walking away from explosion. That's the fulminated Mercury scene. Yeah, outstanding. Season 2, E. Uh, season 2, Episode 7, uh, Negro E. Azul. Negro E. Azul, I should say. Yeah. Because who doesn't like a good narco corrido ballad? And Indeed. then the windy one from Episode 3. Wendy, I still 11. really love the chicken truck one with Mike inside. Ooh, that one's great. That's a good one. Where he gets his ear shot off. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, there are a ton that I'm sure we're missing. Sure. And like I said, I forgot go, this cold open. Yeah. Completely forgot this one. But yeah, no, I I think definitely Wendy's right up there. Yeah. That's great. I feel like, what was a cold open for the next, for, for Box Cutter? Did it actually I don't encompass... think it had one. Well, I'm saying, because I remember it was a long commercial free... Gus coming and 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 putting vengeance upon people, and I wonder was yeah. that like a long extended cold open? Maybe so. The magical electromotive one was pretty good too. Oh, the guy blowing his brains out in the oh, I wasn't thinking that. I'm thinking about like they had a they had a very similar one to the Los Polios Hermanos, where it's just magical electromotive advertising, kind of like a, something that they would release internally, mm-hmm. talking about their worldwide interests and that's right. And Los Polos Hermanos was part of their global reach, and then yeah, the the Franch Franch episode, yeah, the ketchup tasting one of the he tasted Franch, and he had to go blow his brains out immediately. (laughs) He does blow his brains out, right? It's not, I think so. Although I also some other method. I someone told me, I think at a con over a bar. So this is this is legit information that (laughs) people in other countries call ranch American. Okay. In, in the same way we call like Italian dressing Italian, even though I don't mm-hmm. think the Italians or French dressing French or Thousand Island Thousand. There's no Thousand Islands that this comes from. But yeah. Rhea, everyone calls ranch American. Yeah, I mean the Italians probably just call it a vinaigrette, right? <laughs> like, yeah, they call ranch fat ass is what they do because <laughs> you could put on everything, it makes everything mm-hmm. taste better, and it's super fattening. It does buttermilk? That's super fat ass. Mm-hmm. The but, buttermilk. Uh, that's that's super fat ass American. I like it. Uh, did, you got more reminiscing? It sounds like you want to do some more reminiscing. No. I'll reminisce. I'll reminisce to the cows come home. <laughs> There's no more reminiscing to do. I mean, this is where it We've all... We've said everything we want to say about seasons four and five, right? Like, I mean, I'm going to let those there podcasts arc, stand there on their a, own. There was a couple of people emailing us wanting us to do just a spoiler, an, an addendum. Like, it's just... 20 minute discussion of like now that we've seen everything here's the stuff that connects the strip mining that we didn't wasn't aware it was going on i don't know i'm not really interested in doing that no i'm gonna, I'm gonna let i would much rather i would much rather do new stuff 
um, yeah. and, and go to that other than, cause I feel like now we got, it was important to me to have complete coverage for breaking bad. Yep. That was the first. And now it's the other thing I'm looking forward to is now that we've got everything out there. We can reorder everything to be like numerical order. We can now iTunes won't focus <laughs> on the release schedule. So like next week we can put everything in the catalog there so everybody can get it. And if yeah. you find bald move at any point in your watch, everything's going to be in chronological order, et cetera, et cetera, which might be weird. It's like I guess we did a pretty good job on the very first season three podcast or season one podcast of explaining that we actually did season four. I mean, will that be confusing? I don't. Well, yeah, maybe if you jump in in the middle of it, like, oh, I'm two seasons into this. I just found the podcast. Maybe we should leave the order the way it is. No, I really think we should we should reorder it. Hmm. But. I don't know, man, you can't you can't account for every edge case. Because the other thing is, you get to season three and then you go to season four, and the sound quality is kind of weird, and our format, yeah. like we're suddenly un- taking our un- clothes off every single episode. God <laughs> damn it! God yeah, damn it! We did some annoying bullshit. How did we ever get popular, Jim? I don't. I don't Why know. Why do people like us? I still don't know to this day. We're having like forty-five minute long podcasts, and now we have two-hour podcasts. It's 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 crazy. It's a crazy, crazy life that uh, we're living here. Yeah, I think reordering them though. Is the we way still to go. strip down naked in every podcast. We just don't make a big deal out of it. Yeah, I podcast with a gas mask with a microphone inside. <laughs> that explains the tone. Yeah, the warbly, crappy sound. I think that's it, man. All right, let's do it. Let's get out of here. All right, I'm putting on my clothes on. <laughs> I, do I need sound effects? Yeah, have a what's well, the opposite zip. of a zip? And just zip, play it just, backwards. I think it's just zip. Yeah, you just play it backwards. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I mean, this is the it's last his. one. I want to thank everybody for, you know, who stuck with us for, what, five years? It's a long time. While we did this fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the only the loyal listeners are getting to the end of this one. Mm. So, yeah, thanks, everybody, for sticking What's around with us. the crazy thing is we still get this. several hundred people listening to the old back Breaking Bad catalog every month. Like oh, it's yeah. A trick. So it's like people are discovering it. But that's the thing you don't realize. People are just now sitting down today and watching Breaking Bad for the first time. They're homesick. They got waylaid with an early flu. Want to hear what all the hubbub's about? They're like, you know what? This has been on my this has been on my list on Netflix for so long. I better start, and then they're fucked. And now now they're hooked. Yep. Every Mm. day, every day, someone in this globe is starting is discovering Breaking Bad for the first time. It's kind of cool to think about. Either that or metastasis. <laughs> which is a whole other thing. We're going to start covering that next rather week. than doing season four and five. Yeah. I think I would much rather do Metastasis. Maybe live that's watch the, Metastasis. That's the la- that's the Latin that would be version, kind of fun. the Latin remake of Breaking Bad. I'm not making that up. You can Google yeah. it. And mm-hmm. we saw, and they, I think they released s- all five seasons worth of this remake in the span of like two weeks or something. And, I, and it was maybe even cut down. Like it was only 24 episodes. But it was an insane amount. Of I remember stuff. we watched like a 12 minute supercut that someone had made of all the big moments. And it's the fidelity to the original Breaking Bad is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's just a Latino guy with the worst mustache. It's, it's, it's guys with slightly <laughs> worse mustaches <laughs> and different accents. Yeah. Well, speaking a different language. But uh-huh. yeah, it's seems pretty good. All right. Maybe we'll do some live watching. Live that. watching. That'd, that'd be, be fun. Live watching the pilot at least. Yep. All right. Well, we'll see you guys. Thanks for sticking with us for these these many years low these many years uh check out some of our other stuff if you haven't and when you do we'll see you then